For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Badger Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined as always by Badger Legend, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Bernstein. Bernie, how are we doing today? Dude, it's a every day is a holiday on the podcast, and we got one of uh the nicest, you know, nicest legitimate teammates I think you could ever have. Always picked you up on the sidelines. Has way more insight than I do on our our good friend Jimmy Leonard, <laughs> the walk on tradition. Um, he, the guy wrote a book about it, so we are extremely happy. Joel Nellis, thank you for taking your time to be here with uh, with us today. Any anything for you, Bernie? You know that, <laughs> Joel. You're too you're too sweet, man. You really <laughs> are. Um, I'll let Matt Perkins finish this read, but uh, yeah, man. Well, uh, I'm super yeah, well, pumped to hear your thoughts about what's happening at Badger football. You it's crazy, yeah. You got you guys probably know uh, Joel as the author of Walk On This Way with uh, other friend of the show, Jake Kokorowski, uh, now at the uh, Wisconsin State Journal. Um, so if you, uh, I don't know, I don't know a be- better transition than this, but if you are inclined to. Uh, Maybe a little put a little wager down the Badgers this weekend. The number one place to do that is betonline.ag. Bet online with football season back remains your number one source for all of your football betting needs. They've got the latest odds, matchup info, player news, game trends, and more. And they are your continued source for all of your best needs, free contests, live scores, giveaways all season long. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive a 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code BELIEVE, bet online, where the game starts. All right, Burn, Joel. Wait, I, hold on, I gotta go, Joel, right into it, because we I've, I've mentioned you a couple times on, on the podcast as the dude that went in at 5.40 a.m. every single time to the weight room. I was kind of disappointed that you didn't like start. Like I got here, you know, 15 minutes early. <laughs> For anyone that knows anything less than 15 minutes, you're late. Did so, you you showed up here on, on Barry Alvarez time? I'm on Barry Alvarez time. It's not, it's not Lambo time. It's Alvarez time. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that guy. Uh, I don't know. I was just like, I had the fear of God that JD was going to just, it wasn't going to end well. And I think <laughs> for the walk-ons, like you're just trying to do everything you can to make sure you don't mess it up. Right, like, and that's one of the things that you could do to mess it up was show up late to lifting. So, my frame of mind was always like, "Hey, be as early as possible." And then I don't know, like we're sitting around there, and someone had to get up, and I just had to be that guy. I don't know. God damn it, Joel, why are you going? 
Like, hey, we're here. We're here. Okay, it's fine. Yeah, Joe, I used to be like, Joel, sit down. We're sit here. Sit down. Yeah, yeah, get some. Uh, hey, man, I want to get my card. I want to get my, you know, my uh, shake. I wanted to do whatever I had to do, get my vitamins, you know, all the good stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's funny. I, I was telling the kids, here's a story. This is a great segue. I hope this one, I hope this one makes the cut. So I tell the kids, you know, yawning is contagious, right? Because that was the whole thing that JD's was talking about, right? Like, yawning is contagious. And the follow-up story to that was I was in lecture one day. It was probably side 104. And uh, I'm in lecture, and I, I keep yawning, but I keep going like this, Right. And the reason we had to do that was because we didn't want to get counted that we did a yawn and have to do 25 push-ups. The guy next to me is like, hey, you know, what, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And uh, he's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah, well, here's the deal. Like, if you yawn in the weight room, like, you got to do 25 push-ups, yawning's contagious. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know yawning's contagious. And I'm like, and I knew, I knew something great was going to come out of his mouth. He goes, in fact... If I think a girl is checking me out, I will yawn. And if she yawns back, I know she's looking at me. And I tell, I tell this like almost every class that I ever have, because people yawn the first day and I'll start yawning. I'm like, you got to hear this story. This is like mind altering. <laughs> like this is the great. So all the adversity that came out of going to lift early and then the whole yawning thing, that story still remains. So yeah, man, I, I had to go in early. I just, what it was, I just had the fear, fear of God, had to, had to make it happen. I, I just, uh, I find that it's just so funny that that's like what I remember from, you know, those early lifts is Joel Nellis going at a 540. So to be honest, though, it was a 615 lift or no, 6 o'clock. 630. No, it wasn't a 630. It yes, was a it was. 6 o'clock lift. I, no, it was not. I swear and we walked God. in early. We walked like, in like a... Like if you were if you were past six o'clock, you're probably gonna be late. So it might have been a six fifteen lift, sure. and but that's but that's how scary it was. JD, you literally were in there at least fifteen to twenty minutes early, no, no matter no. what. No, because then we got to see the some of the lives that weren't spared. Yeah. <laughs> you know, guys on the stairmaster with full weight vests at at the top of the thing, and it's like we're not built for cardio. I'm not built for this. Like, and I was I watched, only late. I was yeah. only late one time, but that was in year like later in year two. And I had stored up enough goodwill that he was like, all right, just go with the next. I mean, I, I don't think my moped ever went any faster. I don't think I, I don't think I ran in the facility any faster. I'm like, this is not a time when like everyone had cell phones and it was really easy accessible. So it was like, oh my God, this is going to be the end. And Joe, uh, have you ever felt that fear like that before? I've never felt fear like, fear like that before. I don't know. Anytime you're in Indy with Hughes and JP though, there's. there's <laughs> okay. <laughs> But still, I, I would actually put them both combined to JD scares me more yes. than anybody. Because JD yeah. had more of a, this is complete tangent here, but had more like relevance in your life daily yeah. yes. than the JP and Huber could care less about you after practice. Right. I agree with that. I think JD was, yeah, because it was, like I said, a daily basis. You him saw him Bob. at night. You saw him in the morning. Yeah. You like, it was in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> that dude's ever, JD's still in my dreams. Um, and I love you, JD. You're like one of my favorite people, but. No you, doubt. Fear of God is definitely instilled. All right. right. So, Joel, let's go back because I have a thousand questions and we only have you for like another half an hour. Sure. What's young Joel like? How'd you get into football? What made you want to walk in at Wisconsin? There was a lot of, a lot of, uh, but tell us a story of, of young Joel. Well, you know, I, I feel fortunate. So, I, I'm, I'm a Madison kid. I grew up on the West Side, uh, played for the Junior Spartans, which was led into the Memorial Feeder program. And 
you know, uh, my mom, thank God, we were joking the other day. She, one of my youth coaches sent me a picture of like us and she's like, I can't believe I wasn't going to let you play football. <laughs> I like football. So obviously in, in the Midwest, I think it's different than down South. Like moms have to kind of grant permission for their sons to play football. It's not like dad saying you're going to play football and everyone else is like, okay. Um, so my mom, you know, kind of agreed, let me play football. I started off with West Side Spartans. And then, you know, fortuitously as a, I think a fifth grader, you know, uh, Jason Palermo all of a sudden moved to the area. Um, his dad, John, obviously the defensive line coach. And um, so that's kind of what started, you know, I think that friendship and, um, you know, our youth experience is great. You know, we had a, a really fun youth experience. And then, you know, going into high school, high school is where it got a little more difficult because Madison Memorial didn't have as much of a pedigree at the time. Um, and then Jason, you know, obviously made the decision to go to Edgewood, which is kind of tough because that's like your best friend. Um, and someone you played football with and you kind of learned like, man, there's going to be some breakoffs, like different people going different places. So my high school experience is kind of tough, but you know, I got to see have back row. I got to have backstage passes to everything that was going on in Wisconsin. You know, I got to, we got to go play at the McLean center. We got to, you know, be around the team, got to be in lot 17 after the game, got to hang out with. So that was kind of like my extended family. Um, of sorts, you know, I really got to know those coaches like they were, you know, uncles, <laughs> um, and I hung around them so much, you know, whether that's, you know, going to the Huber's house for a barbecue or whatever the case may be. So as I kind of approached my senior year, I'd spent just a ton of time trying to get stronger. You know, I went to actually went to a strength clinic that JD had put on, um, and it was like my sophomore year and he taught us how to hang clean. And like, I just took everything he said and tried to do it on my own. And, you know, I left it on a daily basis, but. You know, when when the recruiting team time came, it was like, oh, you know, JP's like, hey, we'll still we'll give you game day invites, you know, and you can kind of come. And and I was lacrosse and Concordia St. Paul and a couple other places. And, you know, it's hard to go to a Badger game day and then go to lacrosse and be like, man, they just scored a touchdown and like no one cares. <laughs> like, And that's not the same way it is now. I think our Division three schools in the state are do a phenomenal job. And I think a lot more kids should, should trend that way. But it was like, man. And then Jason, John actually, you know, kind of said, Hey, look, I know you're not going to mess anything up. No, you'll do a good job for us. If you'd like to walk on, we'll give you that opportunity. And it was just something that was too good to pass up. And I tell everybody today, I mean, I was a six, four, 210 pound kid that couldn't bench press, you know, 225 coming out of high school. I would never be able to walk on today. Like there is no way. I mean, the kids that are like Riley Nowakowski is a kid that played, we played against you know, who was doing a great job. He played at Marquette High School. I mean, he was a senior. That kid was a stud. Like, I would have got obliterated if Riley had, you know, taken me on as a tight end at, at high school. So the quality of walk-ons they have now, I just kind of feel fortunate to be in that group. And, you know, I didn't go to camp, which I think at the time I was most upset about. My dad always my dad always says, you know, you never know when a bad thing is a good thing. I don't think I would have made it. Um, that, was, that was the year Corey Stringer died, right? That was That was your first camp, right? And you know, not going to camp probably saved my career. And so I joined when school started and that was a whole different process, but you know what? But a kid that that grows up so close that was to the UW or Madison, sorry, that's all the same things. UW Madison. Is that, was that like, that was it for you? You're like, that's really where I want to be no matter what. No, it wasn't, you know, really early in my high school. My sister, like a great example academically. And so she was like a 4.0 person. And I always thought, you know, I can aspire to have really good grades. You know, maybe I even thought, wow, I'll play football at MIT, right? And then freshman year of high school, and I don't get a 4.0, and it was like, okay, well, that's that's out the window. <laughs> but um, 
you know, and then she went to Whitewater and, you know, you got to go to Whitewater games and that's when they were rolling. They weren't winning national championships, but man, it was a really cool environment. So I think just being around the program, I just didn't know if I ever thought I would be good enough to play, you know, like I, I recognized how great those players were being around it. You know, I remember very vividly, I got to see the uh, Terrell Fletcher interception return against Purdue. And I literally remember father Mike basically carrying Tom Burke down the stage in the locker room. Like this man just expelled 90 plays of pass rush. Like this is, this is, uh, I don't think I'd ever be able to do this. So, and my parents grew up in Chicago, so they weren't necessarily Badger fans, um, you know, growing up, but then we got to see some of those early Alvarez games. I remember the one Northwestern game. My dad's like, Hey, this is going to be the one that really flips the the switch. And, you know, I, 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 I'm just believing that. I just think that's first off, Joel. Don't sell yourself short. Okay, there are your. If I could say, maybe you're physically were not dominant like some of these dudes now who knew to weight weight train in high school, which a lot of us did. But it was like curls, get girls, yeah. and a bench <laughs> press. Reset the time. You know, like what did you do? Yeah, you just left after you did curls and you did bench press and like yeah. maybe a little back exercise or a neck and you just left. Yeah. It's not, it wasn't the, what it wasn't the culture, you know, 30, 25 years ago, sadly, when we were looking, but what do you think for the walk on your, you, I think your mentality and your hard work, dude, like you, you might not have been the best player on the field, but you never let that stop you from doing anything. Yeah. How important is that for a football player in general? And then take us through like your mentality. Cause dude, you stuck it out the whole entire time. Yeah. I think it was funny. You know, I remember telling you guys early on, like when I met, like, oh man, I don't know if I can block, but I can catch passes. Right. And I finished with zero career catches. <laughs> and uh, I think part of that was recognizing early on, like, all right, let's look around the room. Let's identify what's going on. Okay. Jason Posiak is a nightmare of a human being in terms of like weight room, et cetera. I know Pashodi was on here the other day. Right. I mean, the guys in the room at the time, Mark and Ellie, Tony Pashodi, uh, Mark Bell, Rob Tucker, Jason Posiak. You know, and I'm looking around and then eventually became Owen Daniels. And then it became clear, like, okay, my role is not going to be to get open in the pass game. Like, physically, I don't have that ability. So I'll do what I can in that world. But for me, it was like, okay, how much better in the run blocking game can I be? And then how can I be valuable on special teams? And I just always, you know, it kind of goes back to that JD mentality. Like, I, I don't know, I'm just going to work as hard as I could because, like, if I, that was my only choice. Like I had no other option. My physical ability wasn't going to get it done. So then what did it have to be next was, all right, where can I find a way on the field? So then it was, you know, I long snapped for, I think about a year, you know, just to be another guy and have, have another skill set that I could do. Um, and I think for guys in the program, it's, you know, I don't care what level you're at, whether you're a scholarship guy or not, you always just have to be assuming that, you know, someone's going to take your spot. Cause that was the one thing that when I was recruiting, I remember Brian Murphy, um, you know, coach Murph was the recruiting guy at the time. And I remember my freshman year, he goes, I goes, Hey Murph, you know, there's any tight ends. You don't need to worry about bringing them in. Right. Like jokingly, he goes, Joel, that's my literal job is to replace you. <laughs> I was like, it's, you get a quick, um, yeah. a swift kick in the butt when you're in college football compared to yeah. like high school. Yes. And, and that stuck with me. Like, I'm like, okay, well, if that's the case, then I have to outwork everybody. And then I also knew pretty early on, like, I think my freshman year, I'm like, okay, I might never play, but I'm going to learn how to coach. And so I always had that approach. And you know what, what's different? That's actually not that different. Like, I think a lot of college guys might get worried about all oh, this new kids coming in. 
I was never worried because the system was so complicated coming from the high school world. And there's, you know, there's more transition here today, I would say, than there is normally. But, you know, in reality, I knew that a a guy like Kurt Ware, who I love, like wasn't going to be able to come in, learn the offense, learn the the personnel, the formations, the adjustments, et cetera. So it was like, all right, I'm going to help this guy as much as I can. And on the sideline of the games, I'm going to help that person as much as I can. I'm going to help Tony try to be, you know, an extra, an extra set of eyes and ears or whatever I could do, because I knew I wanted to coach someday what that was going to turn out to be. I didn't quite know, but I knew that I wanted to coach. So I just kind of took that mentality, like know everything you can know. And hopefully your smarts can get you on the field and you can kind of outlast everybody else, you know, finish the job. I, I think I was, you know, it benefited me to stay my, you know, through my fifth year and, um, you know, we, I think Coach Chris kind of come in and, you know, really helped because Coach Ionello had been there for that time. And, you know, I had done enough, I think, to earn. I was put on scholarship as a fourth-year player, um, you know, somehow by the grace of God. You know, I was traveling at the time, which was really a cool experience. And I just, you know, I was hopeful that I could contribute on special teams as a senior. And I knew that, you know, I could do some of those things, whether it was, you know, I was a personal protector on punt, I was a kickoff return, I was willing to get run over on a field goal. You know, whatever it took, it didn't really matter. Um, and then I think I was, you know, good enough. And there wasn't a ton of depth behind us of guys that, again, <clears throat> knew the system and could adapt. I mean, that was, you know, we let me have, excuse me, made a lot of changes that year from when, you know, Coach White uh, to when Coach Chris and Coach White were calling it, right? It's kind of a new scheme. So there wasn't a lot of guys that were able to keep up. And, you know, I just had to be good enough to kind of hang around. Obviously, Owen got hurt and, you know, I was able to play a couple games, but I tell everybody, including my kids to this day, like I, I had that play. I'm like, yeah, I started a couple games, but I would rather have Owen playing because he gave us the best chance to win. You know, and that's that's as plain and simple as it could be. You put in that much time, you're just trying to win games. It doesn't matter about how many reps you get or whatever. It's just really not even not even as important as, you know, doing what it takes to get get the job done. See that Joel, that's what makes you like want the best teammate, though. Like literally, dude, you haven't wavered off of this. For the whole time I've known you my entire life, you've always been a nice dude, which I love and the best teammate, which I assume makes you a fantastic coach. Yeah, I just try to be relatable to the kids. I mean, it's nice that, you know, I think when you look back on it, you wonder all the experiences that you went through, like, was it all worth it? And I think I've had a unique role where, you know, again, like most players that move on, like you're pretty kind of a big deal in high school. Like, I'm not saying I was that great, but you played a starting role, you're, you know, you're a captain, you're a leader, you're this and that. And then you go to college and you just get completely humbled. Yeah. And it, it, you know, most of the kids won't go on and play college football and they're going to go through this phase where it's like, Oh, I wish I was playing more, but there's someone more talented ahead of me. And it's like, yeah, I've lived that. Like I, you know, guys are like, Oh, scout team. Like, yeah, I played scout team for, for four years. Like even my fourth year when I was on scholarship, I would still go down because I wasn't getting a lot of reps in, in team time. I would go down to run scout team and then come back. It's like, I don't, let's get to, let's play some ball, you know, let's do whatever I got to do. And um, in the end, when you're thinking, you know, we're, we're 40 this year, burn, like that's, you know, we're getting old. You look back and you're like, all right, you know, did it matter that I, I don't remember? Like I tell guys all the time, I'd go back to practice in a heartbeat. Like I, games are great and Saturdays are awesome, but like, I go back to practice with you guys. I'll go back to Sunday lifts in a minute. <laughs> I would, you're right. I, Sunday lifts. I don't know if I'd go that far, Joel. Um, <laughs> actually, you and I probably had different would. speeds on Saturday nights. I'll say that. Man. We, we had different speeds. I was in the fast lane <laughs> in a Lamborghini. Um, <laughs> with so the rocket propelled. Yeah. Like just they navigate the course. Listen, Joel, don't sell yourself short. You were fun to hang out with. Believe me. I have pictures of us in Milwaukee having a very good time. Okay. I'm not going to share them. 
Okay, but we you. we do have some some fun pictures. We <laughs> have we've had a lot of good times. Yes. But yes, not saying that's not. I mean, yes, that the the Sunday lift was definitely terrible because of the speed you would go at the college club. Um, I would blame you yeah. and Palermo for having friends who all either owned the place or worked there. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, that's true. Guilt it, by it, if I have to blame somebody, it's you and, and JP. <laughs> it's Jason. Uh, I mean, they, you guys didn't force me to drink as much as I used to or still do, but neither here nor there. So you brought up Coach Chris. It's yeah. an interesting time. I loved being coached by Coach Chris. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, like, he was genuine. He cared about the guys. He asked you about things you would – like not many other people asked coach white would ask me about my family. You know, coach white, I thought was cut from the same cloth as you'd say, you know, I don't think JP or Hughes is like, Hey Matt, how's your brother? How's like your mom? Right. They would never do that. So like, what does coach Chris mean to you in like your player progression? And then, then coming back, like, what did it mean for you to come back? We'll get to like the other weird part after, but like, I, I was so proud he came back. Like I was so excited. You know, I wanted him from day one. Yeah. Uh, so I'll let you. Uh, yeah. Go. So my freshman or whatever, he was coach Davis left to go to US, USC. Coach Chris comes in. And I remember that I had a decent spring. Like, you know, first came in and say, Joel, you don't need to be 260 pounds. And I was like, awesome. He's like, you know, no tight end in the NFL. It's like 250. I'm like, oh, sweet. I just tried to eat myself into being a tackle, you know, because, but then switch, switch, switch planes altogether. And then I remember in fall camp that year that redshirt freshman year is like hey i don't know when your time is going to come but you're doing enough stuff that if you keep going you'll be all right and that's part of the motivation like you know he left after the year and, and rightfully so was, you know he'll be a coordinator with mike riley and, and i get that um and then coming back was it just like it was like everything kind of fit together you know you had that right time maturity wise you kind of knew what you could do um at least they treated you you know he treated you the right way um like, like, like you said, a human being, you know, treat you like you want the guys. And I remember I jumped off sides against Iowa, which is like probably like my black eye of my career, you know, and then we're in film the next day and I'm expecting just like, you know, he's like, oh, he's like, they, you know, they shifted the whole backside. He's like, I get it. They're like, what? He's like, yeah, I mean, everyone moved, you moved. I'm like, yeah, like, you know, and, you know, obviously I feel terrible because, you know, we score a touchdown, I drive, I think the game, game changes. Um, but, you know, he always had a good perspective. And, and I think that the biggest thing he gave me was, during that time, I was trying to decide, should I go into college coaching or should I go into high school? And one of the things that he said that stuck with me, that still sticks with me today, I was like, you know, coach, I really want to create what we have here at Wisconsin. He said, Joel, I'm not going to lie, you can do that anywhere you are. And for me, you know, and I got to see that when uh, the former coach I had, Coach Kennedy, was here at Brookfield Central, you know, he really made this a college level program. And we're that same way now. And, you know, we have super high standards. We have, um, we give kids as many resources as we can. We have a, a culture in the weight room in the off season. And that really stems from that conversation. Like, Hey, I know it seems like because we have all this money and because we have all these tools that, you know, this is the only place he's like, you can create that anywhere you go. And that's a big message. And I realized I didn't have to go in GA to make that happen. And, you know, I think that that sort of guiding principle is, is with me. And, at the same time, I'll just, uh, and this is, this is going to go big. Like, you know, you say, oh, and then when I would come back, unfortunately, my legacy has to deal with sunscreen. Now, if you remember the story, Burn. But uh, so we're playing, um, it was our first game our senior year, right? And if you sit at Camp Randall long enough, you know, like, I, okay, I was a guy that sat in the silence for four years. 
right? Early games, like you're going to get smoked coming across the field. Like you're going to get absolutely fried. So I was always like, oh, sunscreen in September, you know, like whatever. So we're playing against Ball, Ball State and no a Bowling Green, right? And yep. pretty tight game at halftime. And I had just gone into the locker room and I got some sunscreen. I walk out of the training room and he's walking in from the elevator or from the thing. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just getting sunscreen. Like he didn't realize that this is like four years in the making of like, hey, I'm not getting, this is like, this is me. I'm the nice guy. I'm also the guy that wore the helmet on the moped. I'm also the guy who wore sunscreen in the camp, right? All these things. And he's like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I can, okay, of all the things he's ever gotten mad at me for, this is the top. <laughs> like there is no, it is not even close. Like the amount of like, you are huge. You are, he's like, you are playing in a game, like an actual game. And you <laughs> thought to go and like, he just, now the hard part was, despite all my nice things and everything else burned, like you have a great legacy of me. He'd meet people like two, three, four years later, like, oh, Joel, did he tell you about the sunscreen? Like, oh, you know, Joel? Oh, did he ever tell you about sunscreen? The sunscreen story? Like, that's my legacy. So Listen, that's not so bad. It could, they're a lot worse. It could, it could be worse. It could be worse. Uh, yeah, so. Like there's those memorable stories that you think about, but he did treat us the right way at that time. And, you know, I think he, uh, I think that's what really resonated with us. It's just, he was very real. And that was, that was always appreciated. I think when you, when you're standing on the sidelines, first off, everyone should be wearing sunscreen. You're welcome, Nancy Bernstein. Um, <laughs> but when you are standing, right. I mean, I remember redshirting you just literally standing, baking, like there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. There's nowhere no. to go. No. And over. I would just wear my helmet. I was like, man, this is, I don't like, what am I going to do? Just put your helmet on. Yeah. Neck fried arms. Yeah. Look, you look like a farmer sure. arms. Then if you taped your wrists. Oh yeah. You'd have the, the, like I had the armband. You have the arm, like <laughs> one band on this side, but not the other side. Cause the sun would always come. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was sweet. It was a great look. It's crazy. Me. So, so Joe, outside of that, you, okay. So what happened at the university? Obviously we all know coach Chris gets, let's go. Your best friend, one of your best friends in the world, is now the head coach, which I think we all saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. How crazy and how – I just think it's such a crazy situation. Like, it seems not a Wisconsin move to let one of our, literally our best coaches ever to go mid-year. Yeah. I know you're too nice to probably say anything about this, but, like, what is that like – for you like how crazy does that seem for you it was you know it was interesting to me it was like my phone just started blowing up right and of course blowing the first, message, the first message is like hey man it's been nice knowing you like i'm like what are you telling me? oh he's like i'm sure you're gonna have a job you know i'm sure you'll have a, i'm sure you're gonna call from jimmy and he'll be you know you'll be working for him tomorrow and i'm like <laughs> i don't know what you're even talking about right now and then it was like i mean one right after the other after the other after the other and Again, the same thread continues to come up, like, oh, big time. Like, this is like my coaching staff now. Like, oh, man, hey, Coach Nell is the best friend just got hired. Like, he, we might have to find a replacement coach. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, this is not how this works. Okay. Like, this is, <laughs> you guys are missing the ball. But I think, you know, for me, you know, Jimmy and I talk as frequently as we can, right? And that, and that depends on a lot of things, more so his schedule than, you know, than mine. But like, I think for, for me, it was cool to see because, you know, to be quite honest with you guys, like, you know, Jim never said, like, hey, I can't wait to be the next head coach of the University of Wisconsin. You know, like, that was, 
you know, it was going to be like, you know, it, it's always something you kind of talk about, but never really something that you look at and say like, oh man, this is what I'm, you know, aspiring to become. And um, he just was really always in love with Wisconsin and about, you know, keeping the players doing the best that he can for the university. And then all of a sudden it's kind of like, oh man, like you have the chance to be the guy. And I know just like, I think everyone else that's close to Jimmy knows is that if this is a, you know, adversity came pretty quickly and Jimmy's always going to have a plan. Um, one thing I think a lot of people can appreciate is just how genuine he is, you know, same way Paul is genuine with us. Like he's going to walk in the room and say, guys, look, this is tough. This is a tough situation on all of us. We're going to figure it out, you know, and that's the composure that I think he brings. Um, and it's cool that, you know, obviously we, you know, as your roommate from your freshman year, you know, playing, and now he becomes the head coach of that place, but under a set of very different circumstances. And I think he acknowledges how difficult the circumstances are, but at the same time, is going to run things the way he believes to be, you know, best for the program. And I think that's what everyone kind of take, take heart in. And obviously, you know, coach Chris, um, it was sort of a different move, you know, in today's day and world, I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. I don't know. You know, there's, there's always so much you're really privy to information on. And um, you just hope that, you know, I think, I think Jimmy being there really led to the comfort in that decision. If, if you, if you would, you know, so to speak. Uh, I actually, Joe, everything you, I mean, I like it. The comfort in that decision. I like it. It's like a massaging nice way of saying, you know, you fired somebody and hired somebody else, um, <laughs> which is like cut and dry. Yep. I personally think it's bananas. Um, I'm, I'm a, obviously a coach Chris fan. I'm a huge Jimmy Leonard fan. I mean, come on. We played with him for four years. Uh, he was a jet. I've hung out yep. with him. I've hung out with his wife. Yep. You know, you have a different relationship with him. You guys are like best friends. It's a sense of pride that he's the head coach, but it was also a sense of pride that coach Chris was the head coach. Yep. Um, but I think it just shifts, right? Like I didn't make that decision. So I don't feel guilty about what happened because I didn't it's above my pay grade by a trillion but I do feel I have you know I have sad thoughts for coach Chris and his family um it's a hard situation the year definitely got away from him like that Illinois game was probably one of the worst I've seen and we've played in some bad ones yeah we did we did play some bad ones I mean we lost at Michigan State and we lost at Iowa to win the Big Ten that hurts me more than anything but watching that uh, that Illinois game was like a little bit less hurt but not good yeah um i, I think that it's know, a different kind of pain yes. i feel like when it's like you were almost there and then instead of this time it's just rock bottom right but then you look at the transition from jimmy taking over to the guys looking like they're excited and they whooped northwestern's butts i just find that i feel like taking us into the new you know the 21st century Jimmy is that guy. He's always was going to be that guy. I think what Jim brings to the table is just like you said, an updated, you know, or a fresher of like, Hey, what's, you know, what's, what's, what could be, you know? And I think that I think Paul, you know, worked to maximize, you know, different aspects of the program. And I think Jim will just take a different lens on that. Like, Hey, I, this is how I feel about the training side of things. This is how I feel about the practice load. You know, there's already been an article written about, you know, more more restricted practices right like hey how much do we really need at this point to keep our edge you know i think jimmy's always been key to that like what's our edge where can we keep our edge and i think for you know bernie you mean you 
you suffered as a result of the grind, right? I mean, there's, you know, like that wears on you over the course of time. And, you know, how many hits do you really need to keep taking? You know, it's a lot of the same system, a lot of the same scheme. You know, how can we keep our players fresh? And I think the thing that I would point to is, you know, where you, where you hope the program goes, right? I look back to Alabama a number of years ago when they fired their strength coach, right? And that was the guy that was like the maniac lunatic strength coach. And they brought in Matt Rhea, who was like the guru of like sports science and where Indiana was just like, okay, right? Wisconsin has a physical, tough natured, you know, program, right? They don't need someone to change the culture and come in and like get these guys in shape. Maybe it's just, they need to shift to, Hey, let's do what's maximizes our athletes and keeps them on the field the best and the most healthy they possibly can. And I think that's kind of where, you know, I think Jim, and we've always talked about stuff like that behind the scenes, you know, what can we do to improve performance? What can you do as a, you know, player development, what, what recovery tool, you know, all those things. He's, it's so much more than just like a schematic approach. It's a holistic approach to player development. Um, and that's something that I think Jim, you know, will will do a good job of if, again, as this season continues. But that's, you know, it's not that his whole model can take shape if he chooses to keep going because, right, you're in the middle of a season. Um, you know, so I think that there's there's reasons to be excited, you know. And then, again, Northwestern was a, you know, a good win to kind of get back on track. We kind of saw the offense open up in new ways. And um, it was exciting to see, you know, just with him at the helm. Again, I, I would be proud as hell regardless of how it went. Um, but it was cool to see them just, you could tell there was a renewed spirit and, you know, that unfortunately had to come at the cost of coach Chris, you know, being let go. And like, I think you guys, it was you guys talking to Clint, you know, like uh, you do feel for his family. Like I know people can say, oh man, look all the money he made and that, but it's dude, as a, as a husband, as a, as a father, like getting let go of a job like this as such a public place has to be really hard. And I know it's such a turn of events for wisconsin niceties yeah. yes. i have to say yes yeah. i totally agree now it doesn't suck to have 11 million dollars in your pocket no it does not but i would guarantee coach chris would give it all back if he was still coaching yeah he'd be happy about it so yeah. there yes there are all these things i'm I, what do you look forward most like what do you think jimmy let jimmy leonard's legacy could be here what do you think are some obstacles some pluses to him moving forward? You know, I think that it's, it's just deciding, you know, what I think having been a head coach myself, you just have to be unapologetically yourself. Right. And I think that that's, you know, that will come in conflict to what people might know to be true already. You know what? So, Hey, we expect Wisconsin football to be this. And then what if he says, well, we're better off going a little bit this way. And then people, are, but the thing is, Jim knows enough football to know that it doesn't matter what the outside world thinks, <laughs> you know, and that's and that's part of what I think he will do a really good job of is, you know, he can compartmentalize and kind of know like, hey, this is what really needs to change. And I think the thing that and not that Coach Chris didn't, but he just has such a player centered approach that he really knows and wants to get what's best out of kids. Um, and some of those things are also like the real life lessons of like you got to maintain accountability. You've got to be a guy that you know, continues to go to train, like all these facets. It's not just, I show up to film and then I do my job. It's like, there's so much, there's so many more layers to it. Um, and I think it also kind of reinvigorate the alumni, you know, just as a guy that's a, a homegrown kid, that's, um, you know, tied into, you know, our group of, you know, the, the early two thousands. And, you know, like, I think it just kind of puts a different perspective on the alumni network. Um, and I think not that they haven't put it in the recruit, recruiting stuff of his pedigree, but, I mean, you know, a 10-year NFL vet as a head coach is a pretty big deal and played for some of the best defenses that 
you know, there ever was uh, in the NFL. And so I, I think there's a lot. The challenge is obviously you're, you know, I mean, just being about being a head coach. I mean, it's, you know, it's you're under the the public scrutiny and, um, you know, your, your decisions get magnified differently because you're the guy in charge. Um, but I think he also has a pretty good network of people, you know, that he can reach out to. I mean, you know, look at the guys he's coached with, right? Dave Aranda and Justin Wilcox, Rex Ryan, right? Uh, you know, our our teammate, Sean Lewis, the head coach at Akron, like there, uh, sorry, no, sorry, Sean. Sorry, the team down there, I apologize. All right, the team down there. He's at Kent State. Yeah, I know, the team down the road. Um, Kent State, um, you know, that's he's been a head coach now for three years. Like, he has all the resources to bounce ideas off of, and there's no one that will deny a phone call from Jim if they call <laughs> You know, and that's the thing that just being a head coach for the first time, it's like being a parent for the first time. You can't really prepare for it until you do it. And there's all these pieces to manage. Um, and I think I just know he'll do a great job. If that's what he chooses to, you know, if the interim tag uh, chooses to be lifted at some point or, you know, whatever. I think that'll be it. But for this season, I think guys are just going to, he should be the easiest person in the world to rally around, you know, and that's, and that's the, that's the best part. And the players that listen to this, like, there's no one better you could be playing for. And that's just, that's the truth of the matter. So he's lived your life. That's the thing. Like he's lived your life. Uh, he's done what you've done. And, you know, if you listen to him, good things are going to come. I totally agree. Uh, you mentioned unapologetically yourself. Mm -hmm. Matt Perkins, you probably have way more into this because you read things. Um, and I also haven't had a second to read anything. <laughs> but he just dismissed a player. This is his ninth or tenth day on the job. I think like, you know, you, we talked about what these are hard decisions. I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. So I just read that. I just got, you know, everyone texts me like, oh, my God, did you see this happen? No, but I did now. Yeah. I think that Jimmy is able to make, you know, like to me, some coaches would say, I'm going to keep this guy. He's helping us win and we need to win. I think Jimmy's not that guy. I think Jimmy's going to say you did something that is against our our culture against our policies against whatever. Yep. I have to, I have to do this. I, I think that's it. I think that's what, you know, Jim is really holds tight to is it, you know, Bern, you've been a high school coach and you know this, like when you start talking about culture and there's a lot of guys like PJ Fleck that are culture guys and they, it really becomes hard when you're conflict, like when there is a legitimate thing that goes against the culture of what you believe in. And then you have a choice. Like if you say, Hey, we believe in this, but we're going to let this guy slide, that becomes very difficult and that can erode the culture that you're trying to build. So whatever it was that he had to dismiss him for, you know, I'm going to guess that it was against the fabric of what, you know, because if you walk in the offices, right, there's things that are up there, right? Tough, smart, dependable. That's kind of what they've sort of built the, the, their yeah. culture around. Well, if it's something that goes in conflict to that and it's pretty egregious, Right. You, you probably just say, hey, you can lean on that. Right, You can go into that like, hey, man, this is guess what? I've been in this room. I've, I've battled at practices. I've battled in games. I've had issues and conflicts with teammates. And you know what? Like this isn't who we are. And if you don't believe in that, then the door is the door is that way. You know, and I, I give I give coach a lot of credit because that's not easy to do. And, you know, I think that's a it's a it's a sentiment that people can hold on to. Like, hey, he's trying to uphold the values of the program, and someone is not. And you know, what what it is, we don't know. But you know, it, it doesn't necessarily matter. Like, he has every right to make that decision. He's a head he's a head guy, and you know, people will figure that out. I don't know. I think Logan Brown is a pretty you know highly touted kid coming out of high school. You know what? That also goes back to kind of the whole thing with the walk on program is we you know we did the book and everything else came back to like if you can play. 
you can play. It doesn't matter how many stars you had, it doesn't matter any of that stuff. You can figure it out, you can figure it out. The same goes the other way with discipline. You know, yeah, it's easy to throw someone off the team yeah. that maybe, you know, if they're still, oh, they're, they're kind of lacking, but hey, but the other guys are still doing this behavior, right? You know, if there's something that's going on that's pretty, that's that's counter counterproductive or counterculture, it sends a statement that, hey, we really do value this. And I think that gives, it goes back to that little bit of that fear part. Like, man, I better, I better adhere to the culture of my, I'm going to be gone too. Like, I better make sure that I'm in line with what they're asking me to do. I think that's, I think that's valuable. I mean, it's, but Jimmy doesn't rule with an iron fist and fear net, fear, yeah. rule by fear. I just think it's not really, J- JD was completely different and JP and some of those <laughs> other dudes. I think, you know, like being late to something is, is creating a culture. Yes, it's based off of fear, but it also got, got tushies in the seats. So we were on time. We were yeah. scheduled to do what we needed in meetings, hardly ever ran over. Like yeah. it, it was, um, it was a structured place to be. And, you know, even the weight room was struck. Like we were up almost to amazingly enough, like 30 people in a lift group, 40 people in a lift group yeah. lifted, started at, let's say 545 and ended every day the exact within 10 minutes. Yeah. That to me is bananas. Yeah. Nobody was slacking. No one, everyone was, no one was rushing, but we were getting our work done at a pace that was set. The standard was set by the older guys. I just think it's really impressive that Jimmy had one. I think it stinks that he has to go put be put in a situation like this day 11 or 12 or wherever we are, especially with a guy who's helped at least last game in, in a win. But I, you know what? You're right. I, I, I don't know what it is. I hope it's nothing that I, Jimmy doesn't hold a grudge. No. You know, he's played on too many NFL teams to hold grudges. I've never even been around him. He doesn't say much negative things either. I mean, hardly ever. So I have to believe that that sadly Logan Brown did something that was un he could not come back from. Yeah. I'm taking a guess here, but yeah. if I know Jimmy and the culture and what Coach Chris set up, there's no way that he didn't do something that was over the line. Yeah. We don't know what it is. Right. Matty Perkins, anything on any updates? You know anything? I mean, I know rumors, but I'm not a newsbreaker, and I'm not going to report something that I don't have to confirm sources on. As the editor-in-chief of a sports website, I know better. So um, I want to ask uh, Joel two questions, uh, if we have time. Uh, one of them has to do with walk-ons and NIL. Uh, first of all, you had an Instagram the other day where you, uh, I-, I believe you uh, you got an iPhone 13 with an NIL deal. That was one of the funniest things I've seen <laughs> in a very long time. If you haven't seen it, go check out his Instagram because I I don't usually, I, I will chuckle at things. It, sorry, you went, you went to the portal. Yeah, the Android yes, iPhone. Yes, I'm I, A, excellent choice. Um, but B, uh, transfer portal, but speaking more to walk-ons. Yep. In the age of name image likeness availability, is there a way that Badger walk-ons have passed or people can leverage NIL specifically for walk-ons as sort of another boost in recruiting tool, right? You've already got like the tradition. Now we can find a secondary, not like incentive, but in the ways that, you know, sort of NIL is being used by schools all over the country. Is there a way to do that for walk-ons specifically to sort of continue to boost that tradition I, at UW. I think it is. I think that's a huge tool. I mean, again, the idea of just being able to get paid to do some of the stuff. And, you know, I, I've talked to, I think at different schools, there are different incentives for walk-ons. They, it's a it's a program-wide NIL package, right? And that doesn't limit you. And that also makes the idea of walking on a little bit more enticing and also at the same time, like, feasible, 
you know, and the nice thing nowadays for walk-ons is different when I was there. Like, you don't have to pay for trading table. Like, there was a time when walk-ons had to pay for trading table. Uh, they did it the old-fashioned way, and someone would get a to-go meal, and they would just hand it off to them. Um, I think Mike so that to me is mind-boggling that, that you would practice, work out, and do everything the team did, right. and you could not be given a meal. Yes. Um, that is wild. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things that, um, you know, I think is a, is a great tool, but you know, the, obviously the money, the money has to come from somewhere, you know, and, and how much it involved, you know, that can be, I think it only adds value. And I think as just part of the culture, there's enough success set up where, you know, a, a group of people, a business or whatever, you know, can feel good that, Hey man, it's going to produce the results, right? That's the thing the walk-on program has always been able to do is continue to produce results. You're not dumping in money into a program that's sort of like a, you know, I don't know if it can work or not, or it's like a gimmick. It's like, man, no, the walk-ons is going to produce two to three, four starters year after year after year. Like if we can get them in the program, they can get into school. Like, wow, what a good, what a good thing for them to be able to have and hold on to as an incentive to keep doing the work that they're already doing. So, um, so yeah. Love that. I mean, that's a, that, that's kind of the answer I was looking for, honestly. So, um, I could, uh, I, I'm going to ask one hot take question then. Who are the five best walk-ons in Badger history? Who are the five best walk-ons in Badger history? In Badger history. Oh, Jesus. Uh, man. Well, Jim. Lillard I mean, you're the expert. You're okay. the expert. Well, oh, man. You literally, you literally wrote the yeah, book. Yeah, but I didn't, so, but I didn't, but I didn't, I didn't rank them. Okay, that, that's <laughs> another side. Okay, well, it's, all right, Jimmy and then JJ and then, oh, man. Do you want do you want some nominees? Do you need nominees? No, it's so hard because like each guy kind of played. All right, throw like I could argue Ricky Wagner had like I and he just came like I could argue Ricky Wagner as an offensive lineman. I could argue Mark Tauscher as an offensive lineman. Uh, Ramchick, you know Ramchick. Yeah, I mean look at those three, right? You're like okay, well those three dudes all played long careers in the NFL and you know helped win titles. I think it's. I'll say this. I'll stay on the pedal. It's Jimmy, and then it's JJ, and then everyone else on down. Like you probably, you probably just going to have to not flip a coin, but each is like by position in terms of value where they fit. So that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna stand on that. Are we biased? I feel like Jimmy is biased. No, no, no. No, there there's no bias with Jim Leonard. There's no bias with Jim Leonard. There is that is undisputed. I I I think I don't think that you you can dispute that in any way, shape, or form. JJ was a good college player. Jimmy was a legendary college player, and that's Legend. the difference to me. Legend. Le- le- legendary. Like, yes, JJ had a better NFL career if you look by accolades. Jimmy's college career is second to none. Joel, I have one more on question the for you. Side of the okay. field of I have one more question for you. Yes. What is it? Could be on the field or off. I have an on the. What's your most on the field? The thing you respected Jimmy about the absolute most. Here's one thing that always stuck out to me that as you get the kind of behind the scenes about Jim that I think is, you know, everyone wants to like talk about, oh, what a, you know, what a, what a, like a feel good story that was, you know, it, it this little kid from one, Jimmy was an absolute stud. stud. Like there is no, you know, there is no, like we play with some guys that I think really maximize their talent, right? Like Joe Stelmacher will tell you, he wasn't the best defensive back in the world, but he was one to come up and pound you, and he was one to do what he could. Jimmy ran a four-point. Jimmy could bench press, you know, 225 at his, like, he could have bench. I think the most I heard, like, somewhere in the 20s, right, which pales in comparison. And he's like, he didn't bench as well at the combine because he was on crutches the whole time. So, like, your arms are getting tired while you're on crutches, right? 
He was all state in basketball, football, and baseball as a senior. He, I mean, like the man was as good of an athlete. And here's the thing. He just didn't, you know, this is what I talked to walk-ons about. If they ever reach out and say, Hey, like I remember talking to Matt Henningsen. I've talked to Joe Schobert. I've talked to guys that when they were in high school, we played against Matt Henningsen. He was a monster. Right. And we connected before he went like, Hey, here's the one thing I appreciated about Jimmy. He was on scout team when he was a freshman and he was so good on scout team. They had to play him. Right. He played as a true freshman because you know what? When it was time to like, oh, am I going to brother-in-law this guy? No, I'm just going to win because I'm better than you. And I've listened to the coaching points. And I think the same attitude comes out when he coaches. Like, look, I, I know what I know, and I'm pretty damn good at my job. Like, there is some humility there that I think is good. But for me, it's just he was unapologetic. I hate playing against him because he'll he'll beat me every time. If Like, that's his goal, right? He's always going to be a competitor. Like, there's there's nothing we've ever done where he's ever taken it easy on me or not made fun of me when he's won or anything else like that. And I think that's what makes him so genuine. You know, there's, you can even listen. I think Jay Kogrowski did a, did a presentation, did some with, you know, recruiting and like, you know, he beat, uh, he beat Herbig and Bax. Like Jimmy's never going to lose to him. I'm putting this on this right now. Like Jimmy's never going to lose to you and Bax. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Like that's what I love about him is that that competitive spirit has never left. And that's what gives him his edge because he is motivated to beat you. And it's not because he has to work as hard as everybody else. It's because he knows there is an inherent like talent value that he possesses. And that's always what I respected him the most about. And that's why I'd also like, I'm like, Hey man, he's head coach. Like, great. Nothing's, you're going to be fine. But there's nothing, there's nothing even to worry about. Like the, the outcome to me has already been figured out. Like him being the guy should put everyone else at ease. Like, cause this guy competes no matter what it is. And he's going to find a way to win because that's what he's always done. It's never been like, oh, I'm the underdog. Like, no, man, I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm legitimately good at what I do. And, and he's still probably the underdog. It's amazing. Yeah. But he has. He's always been the underdog and always not only outperformed. He's a non he's not a human being. Like he's a he's a Marvel character. My my the thing I respected about him more than anything. He never fair caught upon. Yeah, that is the brass <laughs> that you have on on your body to yeah. be able to ne- and and coach murph would put the best dudes out the block for him but still yes. he never fair caught a ball i it, like you go back and watch i watch film because i'm washed up i'm like did, did he not he never hardly ever i would say 95 percent of the hey, time he didn't fair i'll share this story because this is funny about film <laughs> We went back. So COVID, right? We're all, you know, bundled up. And we would, Bernie, you, were, you came on, I right? I came on, yeah. the, the, the The group chats, right? It was me, Jason, Owen, uh, Matt, BC, right? We'd be out there. We'd, and Jimmy's like, we'd pull up film. And we would just really, like, you know, Jason, like, you know, come on, Jay. Like, Bernie or Calvin was like, come on, Jay. Like, I needed that block. Like, I needed that block. And Jimmy would have all the film, right? Because it's all in the database. So he'd put the film on. And we'd be in the group, we'd be in the, the Zoom meeting on Friday nights. Like, this is this is amazing. You know, we'd be in North Carolina. And all, I mean, we went back to like all the games and just would, he's like, oh, I got the film right here, fellas. I'll screen share and here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and so he would have no no problem. Like, oh, yeah, we got that film. We got that film. No big deal. It's only one off. You know what? Oh, man. what we love Too to funny. Talk. During those times, like, man, we we just all got together and, um, you know, it was, it was so reminiscent about those days. So, uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Unfortunately, I have to run, but, but Joel, we love you, Joel. I'll Thank see you, you this weekend, next weekend. Sorry. Next weekend. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the one thing I just like to say, and I, I told you burn like the thing what Scott young was able to put together with the walk on scholarship, uh, in honor of father, Mike, 
Um, and the way that was done, I thought was, was amazing. You know, I, I give Scott a ton of credit for rallying the troops. You know, I could, I could donate next to no money. I don't have the means to do it, but Scott looped me in, in terms of like, Hey, is there anything you can help out with? And, you know, Bernie, you know, I'm a connection guy. And so anything I could do to connect, uh, that effort was amazing. And I think father Mike is one of those guys that gave me an opportunity to feel connected to the team. You know, we would have, um, our, you know, sort of our, our services before the games and, you know, he was like, Hey, do you want to lead the prayer? And and I knew father Mike growing up in Madison and going to church and stuff like that. So he's one of those guys that gave me a role when I didn't have a role and, you know, it was something very small. It didn't affect anything on the field. Um, but it gave me something that I, you know, was, I didn't, I didn't have a problem speaking up in front of the team and our problem doing those things. Um, it made me feel included. And, you know, that's what it was with the walk-ons was you just had to get the point where you felt included. Like you're one of the guys. And I thought the way that it came together with that scholarship and Father Mike um, really was phenomenal. And to all the guys that donated to make that happen, and I know Torchio was the recipient of that. And, you know, it sounds like one hell of a kid in terms of what he's doing, both on the field and off the field, you know, passing up a scholarship to come to Wisconsin. And I really couldn't be more proud of that, that, you know, the, the legacy continues and it goes in the right direction. So, you know, just really fortunate for Scott and those guys to kind of piggyback on, you know, what happened with the book and then like, hey, this, we're just, it's a it's a culture. It's an important piece of the of the the fabric of the program, and we want to make sure that this stays an important part of that of that fabric. Dude, totally. I, Father Mike, as as a, a Jewish boy from the East Coast, <laughs> traveling with a father to every game and everything, and doing all these you know different things that I was unaccustomed to. Never once, never once, he was always just so kind to me. Never, you know, always like, hey, burn, you know, happy new year, you know, never cared if I didn't go to church sometimes. I mean, I, I did, I did, um, I did, um, uh, mass before games because the team did it. Yes, correct. And I never, I felt weird, but never felt out of place. No. And I think Father Mike was that kind soul. You know, he, he would ask me, he would, I, like, we just had a good relationship, like, it's i think it's a little like it's just bizarre but like because i it's not kind of our culture and like new york to travel with any religious figure and take a knee before games but he was he was someone that i absolutely enjoyed he we have some funny insider jokes that i don't think should be shared but you know, like at brooks's (laughs) wedding we him and i had a very good time at brooks's wedding sure like just you know fair uh, that will be for that. That will be for the uh, the special Patreon feed. We know, yes. uh, Joel, that you have to go if you are interested in giving to the Walk On Fund. Please go to supportuw.org/give and just type in Walk On, okay. and you can find it right there. Thank you so much, Joel, for joining us today. We appreciate you, and uh, we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for the honor, fellas. I really appreciate it. We'll talk to you guys. See you, Burn. Thanks, Joel. Thanks for listening to the Believe in Badger Football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Presented by betonline.ag. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Badgers. That's B L E A V in Badgers. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page for full videos of our podcasts. The show is produced by Matt Perkins and Matt Bernstein with audio editing and mixing by Matt Perkins. Our theme music is by Matt Blaustein. Thanks again for listening and on Wisconsin. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.